GBC Podcasts, local voices on demand. Hi, I'm Justine Cartwright, and every week I bring you life stories on GBC television. Everyone has a story to tell, and on the programme we meet people from all walks of life, and we listen to their stories and personal journey in their own words. to the best of us, doesn't it? In a small community like Gibraltar, we see familiar faces time and time again. That might give us the impression that we actually know somebody. But do we really? So Mark Bissaro has been Gibraltar's veterinary surgeon for over 32 years now. And we've always known him in that capacity. But do we know Mark the man? Let's meet him. Mark, we've come down to Errori, le dicen, but this area, actually, this part of Jib is really, really familiar to you because you have worked down this end all your life and you've lived down this end as well. And it must be very, very familiar to you. You've got your clinic here, haven't you? That's right, and I've also lived in the South, South District always, so I've never really ventured north, no. So you don't have no idea what's going on downtown? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> going back, let's, let's just rewind a little bit to the days when you chose to take on this career. Why did you choose veterinary surgery? Why? I don't know. I suppose at, at, at a formative part of your life I was exposed to different things. I had to make a decision which way to go. See, my parents were pushing towards lawyer or medicine. And I chose this alternative route. I suppose maybe you can blame James Herriot in those days. It used to be popular. Oh, um, I remember the series. I remember, yeah, That's when right. We were young. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I used to watch, I soaked that in, and uh, here I am, 32 years later. 32 years. But fundamentally, you must have had a passion for animals. Surely that's one of the boxes oh, you yes. need to tick. I mean, we always, I mean, I always used to go, when I was a young kid, just go bird watching, always had. You know, I always had lots of pets at home and, you know, I was always interested in that part of life. You know, I've always been very much attracted towards the animal part of the world. You know, I'm not really that much of a people person generally. I, you know, get more, more, more in common with, with nature as such. Yeah. That's the way I feel, you know, that I'm, not, I'm not a party animal as such. You know, you don't see me in large crowds. You, you rarely see me in Morrison's. You know, it's not sort of things I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't like. I don't like large, large congregations. You know, I tend to be keep myself to myself generally. I'm quite, yeah. a, I'm quite a private person. Is it safe to say you're an introvert? Oh yeah, very much so. Very much so. Yeah. I can completely uh, feel you on that one because I'm a bit of an introvert myself. It's kind of like an oddball. People don't get introversy so much. Um, so you were studying in. Edinburgh. Yes. Beautiful city. I think people may underestimate just how difficult it is to study as a veterinary surgeon. It's tough to get in, yeah. I mean, you have to have two A's and a B, whatever, three A's to get into university. It's the competition for places was very high. It was very difficult, so it was tougher to get into veterinary medicine than to, than to medicine or or any other career, really. That was the toughest career to get in when I was a student. Yeah. 
So I want to say that you're really, really clever. Is that no, safe to say? Hard working. <laughs> so hard working. Uh, hard working. Just... Yeah, it's got to take a lot of hard work. That's a lot of studying. Well, it's, yeah, for, well, for my A-levels, I spent every living moment studying because I didn't want to leave anything up to, to chance. So I was very well prepared for my A-levels, and therefore I did well with them. So therefore, and everything else has come on from the back of that, really, to be honest with you. you know, I had great support from my family when I was young, so therefore, you know, I didn't have to think about anything else. You know? yeah. My parents were always there for me when I was young, so therefore I could dedicate myself to, to getting a career and make the most of my life, thanks to them, really. It was a very peculiar choice in that, at that stage, we only had the RSPCA and we only ever had locum vets. I found it all my life very strange that there was no local student other than yourself that went over and took up this career. You, you took over from him. Well, there wasn't any fixed vet in those days. I mean, I, I came back earlier than I was expected to come back, to be honest with you. I came back in 92, um, where I was, I was going to stay longer in the UK working, but then they had problems here with the RSPCA vet. You know, he, he left, you know, he left ship, basically it was short to another vet, so they offered me the, the job and I came over and the rest is history, really. So, but yeah, it was, it, was, it was earlier than I intended to come back, but the job came up, the opportunity came up and so I took it, basically. How old were you then, Mark? I was 25. 25. Now, a lot of people may not know this, but I think, correct me if I'm wrong, was it before you were 25 that something in your life changed and you found a lump? No, I was in 1989. 88, sorry, I had the operation in 89. Wow, that was a long time ago then. You were still, what, teenager? No, no, it was early, early 20s. Sorry, my maths is terrible, as you can tell. <laughs> it's early 20s, my, my penultimate year at university, yeah. Your penultimate year in university. So, do you think that you came across this lump because you have a medical background? Because there's so much argument as to raising awareness with men who should be feeling on a regular basis for testicular cancer. Not really, I suppose. I mean, I felt the lump and I knew it was an issue. I suppose maybe that's the difference between me and not having a medical background. I realised that what I was feeling was abnormal and it was, it was a growth. So I knew it was a growth before I went to see the doctor. Um, yeah, but that was what, yeah. I knew it was there before Christmas and I went in January. Right. So, yeah. And then I operated in February, that's right, so it's almost many years to the day almost. <laughs> Had you met your wife by this point? No. So what were you thinking back yeah, then? I was still very much a student. I was single and a student. Did it kind of like influence, I don't know, did, did, did fears cross your mind about being a father, whether you'd father children, whether it no. would affect relationships or not? I think cancer or tumour, whatever it was, I mean, affected I think more the people around me than myself. I mean, I just, I just got on with life. You know, I didn't, I didn't take a, a university, I didn't take time off university. I carried on, I carried on my course. I finished the year, passed it normally. Um, but no, it's, I didn't. I mean, I think it affected the family around more. I mean, it is what it is. If it, as much if I, if I had it and it did spread and. 
there's going to then you know there's nothing you can do about it. So therefore, that was my interpretation of of, of cancer, of the fear of it wasn't. I wasn't scared of of it spreading or you know it happened. It happened. You just deal with it. Yeah. yeah. But not. I mean, I think to be honest with you, my close, you know, my family and parents were were much more affected than I was. I just yeah, I dealt with it. I had radiotherapy in Scotland um, on my own, and I didn't want anybody there. Actually, I was quite happy to to deal with it on my own. That was not something which I had my friends there anyhow to make close friends who are still very close friends today so I had that I guess I had that group of people supporting me in the UK which which was fine and I had to go back to original start I mean I'm very much an introvert so therefore quite yeah. happy in my own company so therefore I'm quite happy to deal with things on my own right when you came when you when you met Jenica Jenica who's an amazing artist in you know in her own right um, and you got married, was, had they told you whether you could father children or whether it might be an issue at that stage? I mean, yeah, I mean, I, was, I, mean, I mean, you had checks afterwards and, you know, there was, there was, uh, I had, I suppose I have low fertility. Well, that didn't work out well, did it? Well, it didn't. <laughs> and that's what I was going to say. Okay, let me roll them off. We have Brandon. We have Adam. We have Theo and we have Logan, four amazing boys, one after the other. You are a trendsetter. I mean, <laughs> what can one say? Testicular go. cancer and you pulled out all the stops, literally. <laughs> <laughs> Explain my wife, she's very fertile. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> so you were a family man of these four young, young, young boys and running the clinic, which was an amazing feat, Mark, because being the only one in jib, I mean, you were literally working seven days a week, 365 days a year, coming home to a young family. Um, you were on call all the time. Christmas is your worst, worst period of the year because of fireworks and what have you for dogs. I mean, it was nonstop. How did you juggle life between family life and keeping the clinic running? Don't think about it, do you? I don't think about it. You just get on and do it. One day at a time. Just get up and you go. You know, I mean, in 32 years of work, I think I've taken, what, two days sick? So, two days sick? Hmm. Two days sick. That's when my back went. Ah, yes. My gosh. So two days sick. So how did you manage with having no one to back you up? as in no other surgeon. What was the transition there when you brought other people in? Because no one was coming from studying locally, were they? No, I think it was what, 14, 15 years, I was on my own totally, I think. So yeah, it was a long time working as a sole vet at the practice, yeah. Um, again, you know, I just bring locums, I used to take a summer leave, I used to bring locums in the summer for two, three weeks. I think I've never, until last year, that I've never taken 20 days leave a year. Wow. It just, just wasn't the days to do it. So, no. But you know, it's just dedicated. It was running the practice. I think it's more running the business, running the practice and serving, and, and serving your clients. I mean, that was always my biggest call to work, I suppose, or 
providing that service, you know, it's been 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 at the clinic and providing a service seven days a week, providing a proper emergency service, which was Jeb never had before I came, and therefore I had to go to myself that if you're going to do it, do it properly. So therefore, that's the way I've always run the business. You know, if 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 I couldn't run it seven days, you know, if I couldn't do it, then I would close it because you can't provide a service for three days in a week and then take off four, you know. So now, obviously, the business is larger now. I have other vets working for me now, so therefore it's slightly easier. I mean, but the vets nowadays work a four-day week, you know. At their stage, I was working seven-day weeks. So, Amazing. So, so it's, you know, but you know, I'm not saying the best vet in the world, not by any means, but I worked as hard as any other vet has worked. I've sure. done the hours. People might not know that your work extended to other animals in Gibraltar. There was goats from up the rock, I remember once. There was, there's the apes. You were doing all of that kind of work too. And was there not a period that you used to go across the border as well for animals there? Dilly-dallied in most things, yes. I mean, it's, there's nobody else to, ref, to resort to. So therefore I, I took on this mantle and I did what I could when I could, basically, as I said. You know, if I didn't know about stuff, I used to read up on it and teach myself. Wow. In those days, remember, we didn't have internet. We didn't have, we didn't have, we just had books, books and a phone call. You know, I used to phone up my mates or other vets in the UK to discuss issues or cases when there was difficult cases. But there wasn't, you know, we didn't have the glory of the internet where you can just Google search any sort of weird thing. So therefore, I suppose it's a very steep learning curve in those days. Yeah. You just had books, you didn't have YouTube, you didn't have all this stuff which is available nowadays, you know, it's not. So teaching yourself surgeries at a very young age, which is basically what I did. You used to get a book, used to read up on surgery and used to do it. Or used to practice in cannabis and it's necessary just just to get the hands on and the experience for that. And that's something which you now it's ingrained, you know, I can you know, just you know, it's the same as learning to ride a bike, basically, it's, you know, surgery yeah. is second nature because of that very steep learning curve. It's an amazing career. So do you think you'll retire? And, and what are you going to do to any of the children coming up that can take over your legacy? No, no, I don't know. I, the kids don't. The kids have all gone different directions. Um, so I hope, I hope they make successful their lives. <laughs> Uh, the business, I don't know. I guess I'll go on until until I age a bit more, and then you know, nowadays I don't work as you know I work a four day week now as well. So therefore I don't. It's about time though, Mark. <laughs> so so I do take it. I do take it a bit easier. Um, I work hard when I'm there, but I do I do have more time off than I used to. You deserve it though. You never get the break. Sometimes you feel guilty though. <laughs> I can imagine you do. Sometimes you feel guilty. I don't know that it works in Gibraltar though, because if I remember correctly, like when the locum used to come, everybody would say, is Mark there? No, 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 he's, he's off. Uh, it's, it's Harry this week. Uh, I'll wait till Mark gets back. So then they would end up being more work on your return. See, when you're, it happens when you're away, you do get accumulation of workloads. And also some surgeries that the other vets can't do. Right. So therefore, certain things have to wait for me to come back. Yeah. So. Let's talk about family life for, for a bit, because mm, to say that you have had tragedy in your life would probably be fair. 
Hmm. Um, mum, you lost mum at a very young age. How old was she? My age. She was your age. Fifty-six. Are you going to say fifty-six? That is age. that is tragic. Fifty-six, yeah. How did all that happen, and how did that affect you, Mark? No, it's tough, no? Brandon, Brandon just been born a year before, no? He was born, yeah. When Brandon was born in 95, mum died in 97. So, yeah, it was, uh, this half, oh, she's, she, I mean, she developed cancer when, just before, well, I think when I started getting with Jenica, I think. Yeah. And then it's, yeah, it's just it's a big knock, no? Mum was a big character, and, uh, you know, she's a big, She's big, you know, she's, she's carried the family, didn't she? So, very much missed. Yeah, it's tough, isn't it? That never goes away. No. No. Just recently, though, you also lost your sister. Mm. Yeah, same disease, same gene. Same gene. Yeah. It makes you feel like this damn disease, it's so runs so much in the family that it's a, it's something to watch out for in that respect. Family history is so important. Oh, my granny died of it as well. Your granny as well? Mm, I never met her. Well, I was two when she died. She was 48 when she died. 48? Granny was 48. She was 48, 56, and Gigi was 59. And Gigi was 59. How, yeah. how, do, you, how do you get over something like that, Mark? I don't. You don't. It's the toughest thing, isn't it? Did you find out that it was a, a, a genetic thing that mm. ran in the family? Yeah, it's a packaging, yeah. Thankfully, I don't have any girls. Right, so it was running through the girl's side of the Well, it's a, it's a recessive gene. Yeah. So it's, um, you know, males can be carriers. It's, it's the, but women who suffer consequences, main consequences of it. I mean, men are more prone to other diseases. I think prostatic, testicular tumour wasn't related to that gene at all. Um, so, so that, I mean, I'm on a, the, you know, the more regular checks on my prostate, etc, etc. Yeah. I'm fine. But it's the women who carry it, sadly. And did they're G the ones prone to it. Did Gigi ever have checks because she knew that it had happened to mum? Was that something that she was aware of? She did. And she used to have checks every year. And then one year she had the, one of the marker high. She went for it. The, the, the ovary was already enlarged. She had surgery soon after, but too late. Wow. Was that the same cancer as mum's? Exactly the same. Ovarian. And it's one of those silent killers, isn't it? Yeah. You never know. Yeah. That's really tough. And it's not only your mum and your sister and your granny, it's also you lost your father-in-law and you lost a nephew who was very young with a tragic accident. Where do you find the sun within all these clouds? My wife. Your wife? She's a ball of energy, isn't she? Yeah, yeah. great family, you know? Got the kids, got Jenica. I've got obviously the family, my dad's still around and brother and stuff, but yeah. We're quite close, as you know, so yeah. we're all, Yeah. It's, uh, it's so important, family and support, yeah. isn't it, through these times? 
So tell me about Jenica then. What has she been to you in your life? Because she must be the most patient woman in the world with, with a husband who's so busy. Oh, she's solid, no? Oh, you know, like, this is... Well, she's brought up the kids pretty much on her own, really. I mean, I've worked yeah. every day from May 30 to 7, and weekends, Saturdays, you know, and she's been with kids, kids' clubs, you know, yeah. all the stuff, you know, she's done all, all that, all the carting about, bringing them up, and obviously I was there when I was there, and I used to do all my bit when I was at home, but she, she carted, you know, she carried the family. Yeah. All those years, yeah. Tough. Yeah, so it's a poor thing now. She didn't do much art because because of the workload of the family. Just even now, we still she doesn't have the time that I wish she did have to paint. But because I think people don't appreciate the fact that there would have been more than one occasion where you'd sit down for a family meal and the phone would go, your bleeper would go, ah. all the time. Well, you've lived through it. Yeah. Call-outs on a Friday night or Saturday, you used to have to go and leave, yeah. You know, I've never been further, when the kids were young, I've never been further than Estepona, you know. I think we went to Gasolema twice, I think, whatever, because I had cover, you know. I just yeah. couldn't be away from, couldn't be more than an hour from Jib just in case something happened. Well, I could be, but I, I, I couldn't, there's no law or anything stopping me going anywhere else, but, but I felt an obligation to the to the business, to well, to the practice, to the client, to to be able to provide that service. That was a, a big pull for you, that responsibility. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to do it, you can do things, do them well. Otherwise, don't do them. It's just that when you look at it, it's medicine, isn't it? On the on, it's the, the whole umbrella of medicine. It's vocational, and you've got to give yourself a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. You know. It's, but yeah, everything got. It's just hard work, basically, and, yeah. and great support from home. You know, that support from, as I said, from Jenica and the kids, and yeah, it would not be impossible. Tell us something that people don't know about Mark Bissarra the vet. <laughs> Here come the dogs. <laughs> Here come the clients. Here come the clients. <laughs> what don't we know about Mark Bissarra? No, no, I'm, no, I'm not a great mystery. There's nothing. I'm, I am what you see. Don't think there's anything. There's no great secrets out there. There's no. No, I can't say there is anything which is salient which pops out. No. Well, let's just say that we found out you're an introvert. <laughs> yes. That's something for starters. Mark, how do you see the future progress in the veterinary clinic here in Gibraltar and? with our ever-growing population of animals. How do you see, where, you know, where's it all going to be in 10 years' time? Oh, it's, it's, the, the, the rate of change has been colossal over the last 10 years. It's, it's a different world, you know. It's, it's expensive now. It's expensive to have pets. It's not, it's not like it was 30 years ago. It's, you know, it's, you know, the, the the, the amount of equipment and the investment and the practice has been colossal over the years to provide that better service to the clients, and that can only that can only improve with time. The problem with Jib is always going, it's always going to be a small yes, it's a large population, there's a lot of dogs, but it's a small population. So we're always going to be limited, same as in medicine, etc. You know, the, the, the field is is changing a lot. The old vet, like myself. 
who's jack of all trades and I suppose master of none, who's somebody who does a bit of everything, that's, that's slowly dissipating as going. People are just dedicating themselves to to one branch of, you know, small animals or cats or ultrasounds or you know, they're very specific in in, in their specialization. And a lot of a lot of the, of that has has is is going for greater for better for worse sometimes I think sometimes for better sometimes for worse you know some people you know so therefore it's 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 only going to get better the veterinary the the veterinary care that the animals can get um, but you know at the end of the day it's Salmon lives 15, 20 years, so you're going to get that, you're always going to get that turnaround in pets anyway. So they don't live for 70, 80 years. So. 70 or 80 years? They don't live. They oh, don't they live. don't live they for don't them. They don't live yeah. for humans, so therefore you're going to have, you know, you have a compressed life of 15 years. So therefore, what we did in 70 years, you have that compression to 15 years. Right. Case, so yeah, 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 I get you. So all your cancers, your diseases, your dental stuff, your heart conditions, your blood pressure, your your hypothyroidism, your whatever diseases, is compressed into 15 years. The same animals, same physiology as, as we are. We all evolved yeah. from the same elephant shoe many years ago. <laughs> so therefore it's all an ad adaptation of that. So therefore it's, it's compressed life. So therefore the specialties are there. Um, and where it goes, it's, it's, it's a tough, it's, I won't be around to see it though. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> One last question I need to know. What's the first thing on your bucket list when you retire? Oof, travel. 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 Just, we just love Africa. So yeah, if we could spend a few months a year in Africa, then we'd do that. Yeah, that's, that's what we would love to do. Jenica, I spend a lot of time in Africa. That would be ideal. GBC Podcasts. Local voices on demand.